You're listening to the Bitcoin and Marcus podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bitcoin and Markets. This is episode 42. Today, I'm going to talk all about the user-activated soft fork, this compromise that's dead, some other things that's, that are coming online under the surface, um, and try to explain at least my understanding of what this all entails. But before we get into that, let's get into a quick market update. The price has been all over the place. Um, on my last several shows, I've been talking about I want consolidation. I want consolidation because we went, we were going so far so fast. Uh, over the last 18 months to two years, Bitcoin has had these two X runs. So we would uh, have a little run, then we would consolidate, uh, and then we'd have another two X run and consolidate. Each consolidation period lasted, I don't know, a month or two, or I don't know, four months even. And uh, we had the Mike Hearn exit, which extended the first one. Then we had the Bitfinex um, hack that extended the second one. Uh, we had this ETF thing that kind of set us back here a little bit. Uh, this time was about a three X run from, you know, 800 to uh, 2,400 went above that, but we have a consolidation period now. Um, I, I really like the 1,900 to 2,100 area. I don't know if we're going to stay in there, but, uh, this consolidation is very healthy and so far it's holding. So far we had the big dip. I mean, if this pattern continues, there might be a situation. Maybe it's the Segwit situation, the BIP, uh, 148 user activated software. Maybe that's could have a second leg to this consolidation period, but we might go up to 2,400 and then the August 1st rolls around and there's a sell-off, you know, right into the August 1st flag day. Uh, but that will be quickly remedied. And there's a lot going on here. I think it's actually going to be uh, work out just like I had talked about on the, the very first podcast to talk about the user activated software. This was back about, I think it was like 24 to 48 hours after BIP uh, 148 dropped. I did a podcast and I said, this is what we're going to be doing. Uh, this is the way forward. And uh, it looks like everyone's kind of jumped on board with that. Um, I'm obviously some unknown voice still in Bitcoin, but um, you know, I can, I spend all day long looking at Bitcoin uh, doing my paper trading and all that. So, you know, I have uh, a lot of time and attention put into this and I can kind of see these things coming, I think. So anyway, uh, price on Bitstamp 2259. Uh, it could have a little breakout here. Bitfinex is a hundred under that, which is interesting. I've heard a few things about uh, the reason for this, why Bitfinex is now went from a hundred dollar premium to a hundred dollar discount. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't. I think that there is still problems with the withdrawals. Uh, they did offer a one-time massive withdrawal. So if you had over $50,000 that you wanted to withdraw from Bitfinex, they were letting people do that. But if you had 5000 it's stuck, right? Um, you have to withdraw it with BTC. But anyway, it that should there should be arbitrage opportunity. And I don't know why it's not not correcting itself. The prices in Japan and China are still uh, slightly above the West. 
if you use the exchange rate to look at that. Um, but they don't look as bullish. Like the bounce looked, well, the bounce looks pretty good in Japan, but not in China. The bounce looks, I think, the best in the dollar, um, but just slightly. We're exiting the 30-minute cloud. Uh, on my charts, I like to use 30-minute because it's not too short, not too long. Uh, you get pretty good, um, you know, the cloud works pretty well with crossing in the twists, in the Kumo twists and things like that. So um, I like the 30-minute for anybody that cares. Coinbase is an interesting story. They're adding about, what was it, 100,000 customers every week. That's pretty crazy. And it could, that could have the, so they had all this traffic and their site had problems uh, just as the price started dipping. So, you know, we're just waiting when we were going parabolic there up through uh, 27, 2800. We're just waiting for something to correct on, uh, to pull back on. And Coinbase happened to be it, I think. Um, yeah, so, but it, it's healthy. It dropped quite a bit. Coinbase dropped all the way down to 1900, but Hey, I, again, it's healthy. We're going up from here. Uh, Segwit is right on the horizon, so I don't think we have any worries. Let's take a look at uh, local Bitcoin's volume because they have recently hit another all-time high. Um, a gigantic all-time high. $45.7 million transacted through localbitcoins.com in the last seven days. Before that, I mean, it's it's going hockey stick kind of. And I like to see that. And this, I mean, there's other competitors to local Bitcoins too. You have Paxful, which they do have on here. Let me go look at their volume. So their global volume is also doing a hockey stick. Last time I looked, they were about, I think it was uh, about 2 million, 2 to 3 million per, per week. And now it's pushing 5 million per week. So they're growing in a hockey stick fashion too. And if you add all these together, it's it's really good. Um, there is BitSquare on here too because they are decentralized peer-to-peer -peer type thing. This is a lot more variable. It's a lot more early for BitSquare. Their model is where you download a, a client onto your own computer. You match the orders manually by yourself when you buy and sell. And uh, then you know you work with an arbitrator, I think, on there to, to facilitate your, your purchases. Their volume is less impressive, but it's it's an option. And if we have regulators coming down on us uh, in certain countries, then this is getting built. It's open source. It's uh, an exponential curve of getting better. That's what I was telling one of my friends that, um, you know, as long as it's open source, it's the the uh, speed of development of these platforms is going to be exponential it's going to build on itself but if you have a closed source system like an exchange it's linear like their 10 developers can only do so much but if it's open source you have hundreds or thousands of people around the world and someone's going to come up with something that really scales it uh, so bitsquare has a bright future as far as i'm concerned because there is going to be crackdowns on it on bitcoin regulatory crackdowns okay so that's the peer-to-peer -peer market another one uh I consider that OTC. That's like, uh, I would say, you know, small dollar OTC market. There's also a large dollar OTC market, which uh, is miners are involved with that. You know, like Bitfury does a lot of selling on the large OTC market. And he, they, they've even tweeted out in the last couple months that people are coming in saying, we want to buy a block of Bitcoin for $20 million. And Bitfury George says, no, no thanks. We're not selling. Uh, they're, 
the OTC market for the big guys is locking up or drying up. Okay, let's go to blockchain volume. Um, I think the last episode I was looking at the wrong chart for this, but the blockchain volume has hit another all-time high, $1.2 billion, and that was transacted back uh, last week on blockchain. That's pretty good. I remember talking about 500000 and I couldn't wait till it got to a billion, and all, all I had to do was wait like three days, and it got up over a billion dollars transacted on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, I can't wait till it hits $5 billion. And this has to do with the average transaction size as well. You know, it's it's roughly about a Bitcoin. And that is where it has been for about a year is the average size of a transaction is about a Bitcoin. So now it's around $2,000. It's not these microtransactions. It's not the $5 coffees. Okay. Um, there was a story about how Germany had a bunch of gold repatriated and I don't know, several tens of tons or something like that. And it cost them 1.5 million euros to ship it home, you know, with the ship and the, the, the gas and the security and, and all the things involved, um, <laughs> with Bitcoin that would cost $5, a $5 fee. And those transactions are coming pretty quickly. I think those transactions might be here before it's widely used for your coffee on the Lightning Network. So uh, I want to see the average transaction size go up to a million dollars, honestly. Okay. That's pretty good. It keeps going up. The blockchain volume in dollar terms keeps going up. Difficulty. It's spiking again. Big time. We had some really good. The last two adjustments were really good. Uh, 7% and 6%. This one is uh, estimated for the next difficulty adjustment in six days to go up another 10% now. I mean, there's so much hash rate being added. Uh, so many people are mining right now. It, obviously, it's because the price is up. And the way I kind of look at hash rate, it's similar to... Um, it's, it's similar to... in. Gold, the gold mining industry where uh, if the, the, it kind of has a floor on the price, so the price of gold can't can't really drop below the cost to mine that gold for very long. It can drop below it in the short term. Um, and then, you know, the, the inefficient miners will go off the market uh, and the more efficient miners will stay on the market. Uh, so the the total amount mined will go down, the supply will go down, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the same happens with Bitcoin. Uh, as if the price was going down, the hash rate would go down. But uh, if the hash rate is following the price at a really good clip, that's a good sign. I mean, if, if the price goes up 25% and the hash rate goes up 20%, you know, that's a good sign that there's not a ton of bubble room in the market. That's, that's just kind of my opinion. Um, maybe you're looking at a 5% correction or, or something like that. So, Anyway, mining keeps going up. Um, oh, along the lines of efficiency and which miners will go offline if the price goes down. This was, again, Vinny Lingham. Uh, I, I have some weird thing with him where I just want to call him out on his FUD. I mean, I respect him for the accomplishments he's had, but I think that um, he is uh, wrongly using his influence. I mean, just recently, Simon Dixon has come back out and done a lot of um, talks, uh, or a lot of interviews with podcasts and and things like that. And he's acquitted himself very well. He's been very humble. Um, and he, he has very positive uh, energy. Where you look at Vinny Lingham, and that kind of compare the two, Vinny is uh, full of FUD and is not apologetic about anything. I mean, he's God's gift to Bitcoin prognostication, if you ask him. But anyway, I know he listens to the show, so um, 
I, I just, anyway, when he was talking about this minor, the minor stuff and he wanted the price to crash because he thought that would hurt the miners. Well, guess what? I said back then, it's not going to hurt the most efficient miners. It's going to hurt the least efficient miners, the small guys. And so he thought that that would be a good way to get back at Jihan or get back at these miners that are unwilling to um, activate SegWit. But in reality, it would have done the opposite. And if the price is going up, it's actually helping the small guys. It's helping people like the industry look more attractive to AMD, NVIDIA, and whoever else, big guys that would want to come in and eat Bitmain's lunch, right? So... Uh, I, the price going up is good decentralizing force on Bitcoin, in my opinion. All right, that's enough of that. Let's go to SegWit adoption. This, I mean, I go into this for the most part of the show here. Uh, it's signaling at 30% and it, it's a bunch of BS. Like they, everyone remember last week today. So today's Monday, the 29th. Uh, May the 29th, 2017, a week ago, we had a freaking compromise. We were getting SegWit. And I tweeted out, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, um, the SegWit number at 33%. And I was like, "Where? where's the compromise? This is BS. No one's signaling. No one changed. It's a big fat ruse. Everybody was fooled. This was a hype. Oh, I'll, I'll get into that later. I don't want steal my thunder from later in the show but uh seg what's coming people just don't don't uh, get distracted by the fud okay gold price i'm going to talk about that let me refresh this page um it's looking good for gold i mean they're going up uh they're at this point I'm, i think that bitcoin and gold are going to be relatively correlated as bitcoin goes up gold will go up of course bitcoin will go up 10 percent, and gold will go up two percent so it's it's better to be in Bitcoin, but the overall reason for people buying Bitcoin and gold are, are aligned at this point. And of course, silver also has, I think, more upside uh, long term than gold does. But yeah, anyway, so gold is sitting at 1267 right now. Spot market is open. Let's check out the DXY price or DXY uh whatever whatever the dxy you call that dxy it's still going down it's trending down it's been trending down for a while um this was supposed to be the year of the strong dollar again Fannie lingham said it's the year of the strong dollar that it, the interest rates were getting cut you know the dollar was going up and i was like it's probably not going over 101 102 and it got to i think like 103 maybe and then it's come down. It's at 97.3. The euro has been appreciating in the last week or so. The dollar is not doing well. Um, there hasn't been a lot of CNY, the, the Chinese yuan, back and forth with the dollar because the dollar has been weakening. So the Chinese yuan can stay relatively stable where it's where it's uh, fixed at. Um, if the dollar does strengthen, we'll see the CNY get weakened against the dollar and Probably Bitcoin will react to that. Um, one of the largest market, I think, for local Bitcoins is China now. They are back. This podcast was also, I was also one of the first people or not the first person to say Japan was coming. That was over a year ago or maybe about a year ago. When I think I started this podcast about a year ago. So um, a year ago, I was saying Japan is coming. 
they showed up. Uh, China had their big issue now with the, the PBOC coming in their exchanges and everything. That has all been sorted out for the most part. And uh, we see that their volume is coming back. Their local Bitcoin's volume is, is spiking. Um, everything is looking like China is kind of uh, taking front and center stage again. Um, I, I am neutral on that. I really don't care because in Bitcoin, in my mind, there are no borders in this world. I don't see like um, uh, the Chinese border versus the U.S. border like some people do. Um, I, I really don't. I think all that the politics and everything is is so uh, 20th century. So uh, as we move forward in the future, it really doesn't matter. These borders, especially with Bitcoin, are going to start disappearing. If you have Bitcoin, you're going to have the luxury to ignore those borders because you're going to be able to fly. People are going to want your Bitcoin. Right now, we are in a land grab, I think, in Bitcoin, and there's only 21 million that are ever going to be mined. There's, what, 16 million right now, and everybody wants some. These millionaires and billionaires are starting to want some. I have, uh, I've heard stories, firsthand accounts from people that are out there, you know, introducing people to Bitcoin, selling a little bit of Bitcoin, and they are um, getting approached by large net worth individuals. They're not getting approached by the drug dealers anymore. They're getting approached by the large net worth people. And they're wanting to buy six, eight, ten bitcoins. So that is, there's this land grab. People are wanting to accumulate at this stage. I am wanting to accumulate. Other people are wanting to, the Chinese people are wanting to accumulate. And it's going to, pretty soon, the race is going to be very apparent. The race to, to, uh, own as much Bitcoin is going to be apparent. And these nation states are probably going to want it in their borders, right? Like um, the SEC made a huge mistake not doing the ETF because they would have sucked all the Bitcoin into their territory. Now it's going to China or Japan. So we'll see what happens with this ETF. I mean, if SegWit goes through, the ETF will go through most likely, in my opinion, because everybody's waiting for Bitcoin to scale. Everybody's waiting for there to be some sort of conclusion here. The original SEC um, reasons why they declined it, uh, the ETF, they were just convenient. I went through that on the show. It was not like uh, real, real criticisms of Bitcoin. It was just like, okay, we are going to say that uh, the exchanges don't have enough oversight. Okay, whatever. It's that that's not going to be a reason to not have the ETF because people are going to want the Bitcoin in their borders. The governments are going to want Bitcoin in their borders. Um, the land grab is over the next six to 12 months. The land grab is going to be very apparent. And the price of Bitcoin is going to be representing that. So it's still early. Vortex has said this on his show so many times. He was saying it. I haven't heard him say it in a while since it passed like $2,000. But um, uh, he, he, that was one of his favorite sayings is that it's still early. And it is. Right now, it is still early. $2,500 of Bitcoin is still extremely early. There is only 16 million liquid Bitcoins right now. Or possible Bitcoins to buy. And if we're adding 100,000 people a week to Coinbase... And they're each probably wanting around a Bitcoin or more. I mean, the demand there is astronomical. And anyway, so that's that. That's the dollar. That is gold, Bitcoin, my market update. Let's get into the user-activated software and this compromise. I think I'm going to do compromise first, then user-activated software. 
let's get into it. Okay, this very sober compromise. Uh, first off, I want to say that it was all a marketing stunt. Okay, it was marketing this consensus. Uh, long time ago, this was shit like in March that the SegWit 2 megabyte proposal was uh, put forward by this SD learner. He's also the, well, he was the patent holder of ASIC Boost, the non-covert or the overt uh, ASIC Boost at the time. <laughs> I think he sold it since then, but um, he came out with this SegWit plus two megabyte hard fork as a compromise. And then DCG quickly picked it up because Jihan had tweeted out, this was back in March, I think March 19th. Um, I'll try to find that tweet and put it into the show notes. But um, he tweeted out that he was contacted by DCG about a proposal, a scaling proposal. So they had been pushing this for a while. Um, ever since it came out and it, ever since it came out, it has been totally discredited by the majority of the community because we don't want a hard fork. So anyway, when, when this started, uh, getting closer to consensus, you know, they were like, Hey, we're going to have a meeting. We're going to do this proposal. And it was all a big marketing stunt for consensus in general. And consensus was a huge, huge success. Like I think it was $2,500, $3,000 for a ticket. It was a big circus. It, it reminded me, I didn't go obviously, but it reminded me of um, the Ethereum type things where it's all show. Tour de Meester tweeted out these like dancing girls on the stage. It's all a big carnival. Like free fucking money. We're printing free money here, people. Let's dance and drink and watch some belly dancer girls. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It's not, no science was happening there. I mean, maybe that's where big dollar business deals get made, right? Like, uh, in, in those types of places, you make billion dollar deals on napkins. I don't fucking know. I've never been in that situation, but it just seemed silly. <laughs> but this whole thing with the, the compromise, Barry Silver's compromise, obviously he's the one that's going to be pushing it. He didn't like last week or two weeks ago, be like, I'm going to step up and do this. No, they had a plan the whole time. It was a whole big marketing stunt for this consensus. But anyway, um, so what does this entail? Well, uh, they agreed to say it. Jihan, um, Roger Ver, everybody agreed to say it. All these, all these assholes out there agreed to SegWit. And they got a, a lot of people to sign on. A lot of businesses and miners to sign on. Because guess what? They had no code. No one knew what they were signing. Immediately after. This is like, so they announced it like Tuesday evening or something. Um, that with a, Or maybe a Tuesday morning with the actual agreement paper. You know, the document. And all these people were on there. And right after that, they had a big fallout because a bit theory was on there and they said uh, they were 
complaining or people were complaining to Bitfury because they seemed to like flip flop away from actual SegWit. And they said, relax, SegWit's first. And then um, <laughs> Roger Ver came out and said, I don't agree to this because I was told Hard Fork was going to be first. And then Jihan went out and tweeted, no, we're locking them in both at the same time. So no one knows what they signed. There's no code. There is no code out there. And there's also confusion about, uh, so if there's no code, how do you know what you're agreeing to? One person is told one thing. Another person is told another thing. There's also people out there in the industry like this from the MIT Foundation. One of the guys there, he was like, he was approached for this, but they were approached in a peer pressure fashion. Like we have all these people already. Um, it would be great if you would compromise with the rest of the industry and we can move forward, right? Like that's how they sold it. They didn't sell the technical thing. They sold the peer pressure angle. And it was all a big ass marketing stunt. One good thing came out of it. And I tweeted this too about, um, also guys, uh, in between these podcasts since, uh, you know, I have the new, new baby and, uh, so now that's, uh, for my new listeners out there, I have four kids. One is just two months old now. Uh, and I am stay at home with him. You know, I work online and so I stay home with him during the day and I haven't had a ton of time to do my podcast, but I'm, I'm trying to mess with the format here a little bit, you know, shorten it up and make them easier to get out. I've also contacted a couple people about co-hosting with me because I think uh, the co-host thing makes it a little bit um, uh, more one take sort of production. But anyway, so if you follow me on Twitter in between my shows, you know, I, I do get on Twitter quite a bit, but I tweeted out like this, this compromise is, is DOA, but it did a couple good things. Well, uh, yeah, a couple good things. It, <clears throat> excuse me, it killed Bitcoin Unlimited. The the second that Jihan said that he's he's willing to do SegWit, it killed Bitcoin Unlimited. And anybody that's signaling for Bitcoin Unlimited should not be trusted, by the way. Still, like, still, they're getting 40% of blocks. Those people should not be trusted. Those are, th that is a great way to highlight the, the cancer here. Okay, is if you're still signaling for a dead implementation, it'd be like if there was 30% of people signaling for uh, classic, which is completely dead. Anyway, um, Bitcoin Limited was killed and all arguments against SegWit were removed. They agreed to SegWit. And so as more details came out, it started and I was for this. I was like, hey, as long as we get SegWit first, I am for it. Because there's no way that they can mandate a hard fork. If SegWit comes first, there's no way they can mandate a hard fork. Um, of course, that has changed a little bit. As more details came out, it turned out that they weren't really signaling SegWit. They, <laughs> and most of these people didn't know what they're signing because it came out later that it was bit, bit four. And the way that these things signal, so we know who, what upgrades we want or that the community is signaling for is we have these bits and this will actually change. I think after SegWit, um, this changes slightly, but SegWit is still under the legacy system. Um, SegWit uses bit one to signal. I don't know what BU uses, but, uh, this, this compromise SegWit uses bit four. So it's completely different. It's also said that this is going to be SegWit, but with a countdown towards a hard fork. So they're going to wrap them all into one. So it's a SegWit as a hard fork, basically, and versus SegWit as a soft fork, which is way safer. 
So it's the same old argument between a soft fork and a hard fork that we've lived through and totally debunked everything over the last two years. And they think, oh, this is some fucking magic new compromise. It's not. It's the same damn thing. They've, they've hijacked the name SegWit. And they stamped a hard fork with the name SegWit and said, oh, we fucking reach a compromise. It'd be like if I took Bitcoin Classic and I forked it and I called it SegWit. It's basically what they did. But by agreeing to the, the actual workings of SegWit, like segregating the witness in the transactions, they've, take, they've agreed to it. They've taken all of the um, uh, criticisms away. So this compromise did do those two things, killed Bitcoin Unlimited and killed any criticisms of SegWit, which is good. All right. Um, so, yes, this is DOA. It's not going to get um, any real traction. Um, I mean, fucking Jihan might signal for it. He's come out and threatened multiple times now that he wants SegWit, but he, it's going to be bit for SegWit, <laughs> which is really hard for SegWit. And it's no, no... Uh, real earth-shattering compromise here. But another thing that this whole compromise exposed is the willingness of these miners to change their position. So we have on one side, we have a thousand developers, decentralized developers that have put their blood, sweat, and tears mostly for free. There's only a few, maybe like the, maybe 20 um, people that are paid by companies that this is their job to work on Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin Core specifically. Um, and it's not just Blockstream. Blockstream only has one, two people uh, that are full-time for working on uh, Bitcoin Core. But it's like five companies. I think I think there are four other companies that have more people on salary or on payroll that uh, work on Bitcoin Core than Blockstream. So, so those people are out there. But then on top of them, there's hundreds of others that contribute um, so you have them on one side and they are very, very principled. It's very hard for them to move because they're decentralized and it's very hard for them to get, to move forward or change, um, their direction. They have a roadmap, you know, two, three, four years out because it's very hard to get that inertia of a decentralized development process steered a different direction so you have this almost immovable core and versus the miners that we thought were immovable but as it turns out they're willing to fucking compromise and now we have the user activated soft fork that i think personally is so simple and so powerful that it's making these guys change their tune and in the last week since these miners have proven to be movable and pliable things have gone like hyperspeed stuff is changing every hour there's this new thing out that i just read this morning called omnibus i guess it's a uh, supposed to start signaling one july and it's the legacy segwit so bit one segwit 141 that's a um for all the noobs out there to it to upgrade bitcoin we have this process called the bitcoin improvement proposal a bip and so segwit is bip 141 it uses a signaling, a certain signaling called bit one. <laughs> it's very hard to kind of describe this to people that aren't, uh, that are new. But um, this new omnibus proposal uses this one BIP 141 SegWit, the original SegWit, but says, okay, in 12 months, yes, we'll do two megabyte hard fork, which is what we all thought that the original compromise was going to be. 
that a lot of those companies that signed that proposal or that compromise probably thought that's what they were signing because that's what the rumors were out there. And uh, so this omnibus is kind of like that. And of course, you also have the, the thing where once you lock in SegWit, there's nothing to guarantee that a two megabyte hard fork works uh, or it gets activated itself. And that's one reason why when I first heard the rumors of this compromise, I was like, I'm, I'm actually for this because we get SegWit and there's nothing to hold us to doing a two megabyte hard fork. But that changed, obviously. So anyway, let's get into this user activated soft fork because that is what's pressuring this whole thing. coming August 1st so uh, for the noobs out there I'm just gonna try to do this in like two minutes or less what this user activated soft work is so SegWit is a soft work and it's come up against this blocking of this centralized mining cabal that has become centralized because they use the covert ASIC boost to put their competitors out of business um, and mine at a little bit more efficient thing they patented it and it's no one knew that they were using it. They're they're doing a shortcut in the proof of work. Um, so that's that's kind of how they got their competitive advantage and forced a couple other competitors out of business and centralized all this into this opposition to SegWit. Uh, and so SegWit hasn't been able to be passed or activated. Um, it's That alone to me is a little bit hard to come to a big conclusion about or a um, solid like judgment about like is that bad because it's a free market and everything the bad parts to me are the patent because it keeps other people in china from using that other miners in china from using this patented advantage um and it's also the lying so they all along they were they were opposing segwit not because they wanted big blocks not because they want this two megabyte fucking hard fork or classic or, or Bitcoin Unlimited. It's because they wanted to preserve this this uh, advantage because a SegWit transaction, apparently, a SegWit transaction blocks them from using this shortcut, their advantage. And so, of course, they're not going to want this thing that blocks them from having their advantage. That's the real reason. Not because they wanted to scale Bitcoin with bigger blocks. It's BS. SegWit is bigger blocks right now. Tested. It's been on testnet since I think April of 2016. It is completely tested. Now it's on at least two other altcoins with no problems. This thing is tested in on mainnets. It's tested on testnet for a long time. It is completely safe to go with SegWit and it's bigger blocks now. More throughput, higher capacity. If they really wanted more capacity, then they would go with SegWit, but they don't because they, they're they ideologic or they're not uh, ideologically against it. But they, they are opposed to SegWit because it messes with their advantage. Anyway, so people were with this BIP 148, the user activated software. They, um, it's a way for users to set a date, which they set August 1st as the date. And that is when the nodes on the network that have agreed are going to stop relaying old, uh, they're going to stop relaying blocks that do not activate SegWit. 
or signal for SegWit. So then all the blocks that are on that chain, the BIP 148 chain, the SegWit chain, they are going to be signaling for SegWit and they will activate it. Um, this is a uprising. It's a grassroots effort to take power back away from this centralized, centralized mining um, cabal and put it back in the hands of the people. That's really what it is. It's it's a uh, politics, but I mean, it's so funny because it's, it's such a dichotomy with real politics in government. In real politics in government, you have a vote or you have an initiative or you have a bond proposal right in a city or something. Um, and you vote on it. And even if it gets like only if 25% of people vote and it gets a majority of them. So like. 13% of people want this, this new tax, then it passes. Well, in Bitcoin, it shows this huge, like way that people can actually uprise against the system and get what they want. And it only works if there's a huge majority of the economic power that wants this, that, that it will go forward. Um, and I think it will, because it's, there is, um, a huge majority, like 95% or something of nodes on the network that want SegWit. And so this is um, really wanted by a majority of users out there. Um, and I think it's, I, I still think it's going to go through, but there's all sorts of people out there talking about stuff. John, like there's this, uh, <laughs> somebody, I don't know who on Twitter it is that they've started this like enemy of Bitcoin list. And you have like Craig Wright on there. You have Roger Ver, um, Jihan, obviously, um, and, and people are quickly getting added. Like uh, John Matonis tweeted out that anybody who wants this user activate soft fork is a sheeple that's willing to go over the cliff. I mean, it's that's completely backwards. You know, like, are you willing to put your hands in the fate of Jihan? Who has questionable alliances over there, a language barrier with a lot of the users in Bitcoin? We don't know who he's working for. We don't know if he's if his intentions are good. I mean, he's a businessman, straight up. He's he has said he doesn't understand the open source development. He doesn't understand open source or open source software and community building and, and all this stuff. He's openly admitted that. Because he doesn't get it. He doesn't get Bitcoin really deep down. He doesn't get Bitcoin. He knows that he's making a shit ton of money. But that's all. So, um, where was I? So this BIP 148, that is to lock, it's a flag day to lock in SegWit. Um, there's a, there's simple game theory behind this because, um, if you, the whole idea is that it's going to split the chain and the one chain is compatible with the other chain or the other set of rules. So when you talk about a fork, you talk about different rule sets. SegWit is a tightening of the rules. So if you have a um, block size limit is perfect example. So you have a one megabyte block size limit. If you change that to two megabytes, it's a hard fork because those old rules will, those, the nodes running the old rules will not accept your block because it does not fit within their rule set. But if you have a change in the rules to 500 kilobytes, that still fits within the rule set of the original chain. So that's a soft fork. The old legacy nodes that are running the old software will still accept your new chain, your new blocks. 
And that's the whole idea here is that SegWit is a soft fork. So it will be accepted by legacy nodes. It will be accepted by the old chain. You don't have to fork, like do a real hard fork and everyone have to upgrade. No, you, anybody can run whatever client they want to from history. I don't actually, I don't know if like Bitcoin QT 0.1 will still function, but um, for the most part, it's, it's backwards compatible with everything that's out there on the network right now. Um, so as, as a software splits off, as the, the BIP 148 SegWit chain splits off, if it gets more blocks than the other chain, proof of work will take that longest chain as valid. And everything that every difference on the legacy chain will be wiped away. And they will accept the history of this, this software chain, the SegWit chain. Um, it's, that's called a reorg, and it's very powerful. In the game theory, you have nothing to uh, lose by signaling for SegWit. But you have everything to lose if you don't signal for SegWit. So miners will probably signal for SegWit, especially since we've seen this pliability of these miners now. They're not as hard line. They are a centralized um, company or group of companies that can pivot, that can move. Core is a decentralized group of people that has uh, straight line inertia. And it cannot move or pivot on a dime like that. So who's going to give? Like if you have, uh, there was a Jimmy song. He had an article. He was talking about like a head-on collision. It's two, these two cars going full speed at each other. Okay. Well, if you are in the, 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 the piloted car, one car is unpiloted. It is, has a stick on the steering wheel that's holding it in a straight line and it's going at 60 miles an hour. Okay. And you have the other car that's being piloted by somebody and they know that, that that other car is not, it's going straight no matter what. Right. And you have this car that's being piloted. Are they, who's going to swerve? Well, one car fucking can't swerve. It's a de it's decentralized inertia straight line. The other car is piloted centrally and it can swerve out of the way and it will Segwit will be initiated or activated. I also think it's going to be a very short process. A lot of people are talking about if this drags on, you know, a month or two could drag on. I don't think it will. That's where the exchanges come in. Like, um, who's, where are these legacy non-Segwit Bitcoins going to be sold? Are they going to be sold on the exchanges? And how much value are they going to have versus the Segwit Bitcoins? Miners will ha will miners want to stay on an old chain that one could be reorged and all their uh, history be gone, and will the exchanges even want to sell that because they are going to be selling this Bitcoin that could disappear? Right, the Bitcoin on the BIP one forty eight chain will not disappear. It will never disappear. So uh, that's what I would buy. That's going to have more value. Plus, it has Segwit, a cool upgrade. A monster upgrade. So that chain is going to be more valuable to mine. So miners are going to have to switch. It's so simple and so easy. So, um, yeah, that's that's my talk about the user activated software. There's tons happening. Um, I think that my my main position remains that the incentives for this user activated software work prior to the event. After the event. Because, uh, you know, there's so much to be lost so quickly that, um, you know, a miner might stay on that old chain for 
half a day, maybe, but they're going to be making zero money. So all of the incentives work prior to the event. And I, I expect people to start signaling just before August 1st. Um, okay. Another thing is about the Sybil attack, a Sybil attack for the noobs out there. And I'm not an expert or anything, but, uh, a Sybil attack is where you create fake accounts or fake things and to make it look bigger than it is. And, you know, with, with, uh, technology, you can do it's okay. Without technology, it would be like, I'm people are voting at a ballot box and I come like 70 million times and put my vote in. I'm Sybil attacking that ballot box. Um, in the digital realm, that's very easy to do. Just spin up a bunch of things and you can vote a million times. That's one of the problems with reputation systems out there is you can, they can be Sybil attacked. Uh, but uh, in Bitcoin now, they're talking about these nodes because one of the ways to measure like supportive user activated soft fork is how many nodes are signaling or, um, yes, I guess signaling that they are, will support uh, 148, the user activated soft fork. And recently, in the last couple of days, there have been big jumps, like immediate, like 500 just jumped on the network within an hour. Um, and that's obviously fake nodes. But for me, that doesn't really, that has no negatives, right? Like, there's no negative to uh, showing an extra amount of support for seg uh, for user activated software. A lot of people are saying we, people should cut that out um, because it is a false signal, but I don't think it has any negative impact. It only has a positive impact because it takes away any, it makes it more uncertain. And the way that the incentives work is that the more uncertainty, the better it is for the user activated soft work. Because in the user activated soft work people and, and everything, the argument can be made, like, look, your chain is going to be reorged. You better leave. Everybody wants this. Da, 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 da. And the only thing that they can say in response is it's Sybil. There's, there, these are fake notes. Well, let's see. That adds uncertainty. It's in favor of the user activated soft work. So I don't have a problem with it. They're just kicking them, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. There's always, like, you can tell that this UASF is the thing, the best possible solution right now because everything they do hurts them. Okay, we're going to compromise on SegWit to make it by hard fork. Well, that fucking hurt you because now it destroyed Bitcoin Unlimited and, you know, said that you're willing to be pliable towards SegWit. So, like, everything they do is going to end up being negative. I saw a tweet that says that the more Jihan tweets, the better the chances of the user activated software. And I totally believe that. They cannot say anything that will benefit their position. The more they talk, the more people, they, they resort to rhetoric, calling people sheeple, calling people stupid. The more they resort to that type of rhetoric, the more they lose. So I welcome it. I say rile them up. Rile them up. The more they get riled up, the more they show their true colors, the better it is for the segue. All right. So that's all I have for this week or for this episode. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you want to support, you know, good content like unbiased content I'm, i guess i do have my biases but i'm talking like i'm not influenced by my advertisers okay i don't try to sell you shit coins uh, i don't have a dash.org freaking banner behind me i don't talk about how great all these these pump and dumps are uh, a blockchain is yada, yada yada if you guys want 
real independent content, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. You can support me for a dollar a month uh, on the show. I mean, lots of people now are signed up. Andrea signed up. Uh, there's some other people. I can't remember off the top of my head who else signed up for Patreon. But <laughs> it's funny because over maybe the last four or five shows, I've been telling these other content creators out there, sign up for Patreon. It's going to be a synergistic effect. We're going to drain brain drain away from Coindesk and Bitcoin.com and all of these other things. And we're going to be financing the real content creators out there, the people that are giving you the real information. So, um, and it's, if you're, maybe you wouldn't support me by myself on Patreon, but if Andreas is on there and you're giving him $5, maybe you'll give me one. And that's, you know, that's how the synergistic effect goes. People are on there. Maybe they're more comfortable with um, interacting on Patreon and, and, you know, there'll be more interaction on Patreon only content. I think that's great. I really wish that would take off more on my, my Patreon. Um, but yeah, go there and, you know, support the show, please. Also, you can donate straight line Bitcoin if you'd like to on my website. I think there's also a PayPal donation there on my website too. So you don't have to part with your valuable Bitcoins. Um, you can give me your worthless fiat and I will gladly turn that into Bitcoin. So that's all for this episode. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Peace.